Are you laughing now? Welcome to episode 21 of Embrace the Suck, the only official, licensed, sanctioned, chemically enhanced podcast of APG, bringing you two cents worth of free perspective on the heavy-hitting lifestyle. I'm your host, Bill Hart, coming to you almost live this time from NASA headquarters, where the space agency's officials have briefed the press that an asteroid the size of the London Eye, that's that thing in London that looks like a Ferris wheel, but I guess isn't actually a Ferris wheel, is going to pass within... 0.037 astronomical units of Earth's orbit. NASA says the asteroid will be traveling in excess of 46,000 kilometers per hour, or 28,000 miles per hour, if you're a normal person, when it intersects Earth's orbit on July 24th. So this has led them to designate it as a potentially hazardous asteroid. So two things there. First, I don't know how big is an astronomical unit. I guess I could look it up, but I'm incredibly lazy. So, you know, somebody want to look that up, leave it in a comment. But, uh, you know, less than one astronomical unit and a potentially hazardous asteroid. This seems to me like kind of a pregnant or not pregnant situation. Like this is a a game changer head-on collision with something the size of not a Ferris wheel or it's not anything. I don't know. Fortunately, though, NASA says there's only a 1 in 300,000 chance of any negative effects resulting from this asteroid. So they say fortunately, or, you know, maybe not fortunately, because 2020 has been 2020. And, and too, so just in case there's a possibility of something going wrong, maybe run right out and do something regrettable, just in case, right? No, don't actually do that. But the possibly the more pressing issue here is that I want to think that if you're the only country to have ever gone to the moon, maybe you should have the say on how anything in space is measured. Like uh, everything has to be in miles per hour because, as we all know, space is American. (laughs) And I guess, you know, the Russians were the first to go to space. But at the end of the day, does it really matter? Because I don't know that Russians even have a way to measure things. I think they just measure things in bottles as it is. Because, you know, Moscow is three bottles away, so we will we will be there by sunrise, my friend. Right. So, quick beard update before we move on. Staring at the business end of month four, and I was recently contacted by what I thought was a big-name Hollywood producer to interview me about accepting the part as escaped convict. As it turns out, it was actual police looking for someone they thought was an escaped convict, and they figured it was me. That didn't actually happen. But the beard is pretty sweet. It's getting there. Letting the mustache piece go a little long, and it's definitely getting that trucker handlebar caliber effect going. Also of interest in order to combat the facial recognition software that I just know, man, because I saw it on the interwebs, I know is out there and being used to track and ID every person who ventures into public, I started also wearing a hat as well. So this has provided the uh, the bonus side effect of making me look like the CIA hitman who's on his way to Central America. Yes, indeed, you will deliver my opium, and you will have it there on time. Right, that's enough shenanigans. Let's get on to the topic for today. Topic for today, going the extra mile. People have heard this, and uh, if you clicked on this, you're probably thinking, well, why did I, this isn't something I really want to hear about. No, you want to hear about it. You listen to it. Going the extra mile. 
So a little while back, I had a chance to have a conversation with the general manager of an NFL team, and I'm not trying to like name drop here so much or like, you know, I was waiting for the bends to be brought around and about the time the rules pulled up and out stepped a gentleman who I was somewhat familiar with and we conversed. No, we were, we were just talking because we, we do have a few clients in the NFL. So I had a chance to talk with this guy and uh, we got on the subject of, of picking players for the team, how to, how to select your players, who's going to be on that 53 man roster, who's going to be, you know, on the, on the practice squad and so on. And, there's a lot of factors, you know, there's factors that I didn't even consider. There's but a lot of factors that go into picking a player, you know, out of all, I mean, look at, look at how many college kids are out there playing this game and they all want to go to the big time, right? And you got to pick a couple, maybe to replace, you know, guys that are retiring or broke or, you know, whatever. So I talked to him about it and he's telling me about, you know, ability, obviously talking about mileage how many miles does this guy have on him you know because one year two years ago the guy might have been a beast but when your job is to run full speed into other people who are also running full speed that could take a little take a little pep out of your step right so mileage is a factor but from there it gets a little bit more complicated because the idea here is not to build a team with the 53 best players and then field the 11 best players as I understand it, the idea is to build the best team of 53 that you can and then field the best 11. So it's a subtle difference there between the 11 best and the best 11. But if you look at something like a Pro Bowl team, you know, these are made up of the best players but are certainly not uh, the best teams because they're not a team. They don't work together. They don't interact all the time. They're just a collection of players. They're just names on a roster. So the GM, who shall remain nameless, went on then to say that ultimately you're looking for the player who will go the extra mile for the team and do more than is asked. And this idea of going above and beyond, this is something I wanted to hit on today because I don't think enough people, me included for a really long time, really grasp the idea behind that extra mile, that, that doing a little more than the bare minimum. So ever since I had, had first heard this term of do more than the bare minimum, you know, go the extra mile, this kind of thing. I always hated it. I hated hearing that kind of thing. And I remember even back when, when I had first got to the SEAL teams, I got to SEAL Team 1 in 1995. And when you finish training, you know, I mean, when you go from just some Joe on the street, like you're just some kid, and then you show up, you take your beating, you learn a few skills, and then you show up at the teams, you come in there with, with a very solid understanding that you are at the bottom of a very big totem pole. So, I mean, when I got there... They got all of us new guys into a room, and uh, one of the older guys got up there, and he says, hey, I want to congratulate you guys on finishing training. I want to congratulate you on everything you've accomplished and everything you've made of yourself so far. But now let me tell you this. There's nothing you haven't done that every single person at this team has not done, and then some. You are the lowest man on the pole here. So if you want to quit now, that's fine. Go away. You can probably get by on what you've done so far, but if you want to press on, you need to be humble, you need to do as you're told, you need to keep your mouth shut. And and they lean on you pretty good when you're a new guy, especially in, you know, like the 80s, 90s, when there was nothing going on. There's no war on right now, right? So, hey, what do you guys want to do? I don't know. Let's go pick on a new guy, right? But you uh, you get there to the teams and, like, you don't want to touch anything. You know, you I mean, that was the way it was for me. You know, there's probably some knuckle draggers that show up and they're like, let me have, you give to me, right? 
But I showed up. I didn't want to touch anything. So you show up and there's all kinds of boats. There's all kinds of motors, all kinds of radios. I mean, back when I showed up, there was like mystery radios. There's like radios from back in Vietnam, like the the HF radios, they call it. Some guys might know what I'm talking about, but this was like the black magic radio. Like you had to be a real artist to make this thing work. And you could go coast to coast with it if you know what you're doing, but it's a skill. And then there's also satellite radios. But at the time, satellite radios were like, like, like you're carrying a whole satellite with you. This is not a small product, right? So there's all this stuff. There's lasers and weapons and explosives and all this stuff. And you don't want, I, don't, I didn't want to touch any of it, right? So I'm just kind of standing there like, I'm not going to touch anything until somebody tells me what to do, you know, and then I'll do it. But I don't want to screw anything up. And this didn't sit well with the management. So my chief... So a chief is like the the senior enlisted dude that you would report to, right? So like the military is an aristocracy, and there's the officers, and they're like royalty. And if you're if you're a former officer or you are an officer, don't don't act like this ain't the case. You know, but the chief, this is like your your senior enlisted guy that you would report to. So this guy pulls me in, and this guy, you know, in the '90s, this dude was old. I mean, I'm 48 now, and I look like. I look daisy fresh compared to how this guy was looking at like 35. Like this guy had hard, hard 90s team guy years on him. So it was like, hey, let's go do a whole bunch of really uncomfortable training and then go drink to excess and sleep for two hours and then get up and do it again. Like this guy was spent and he had this, um, I don't know if he had like some kind of a diving incident or something, but he had some kind of a nervous condition where he, if he got spun up, his head would twitch a little bit. And he, he talked like king of the hill. So I go in there and he's like, Hart, why don't you come on in here, man? And he's like, he's got a twitch going already. And I'm like, oh, man, I wonder what I did. So I go in there and he's like, I just I just want to kind of give you an, an informal counseling, man. I, I feel like you're just not getting it, man. You're not you're not getting what it means to be here. And I'm like, what, what do you want, chief? I do whatever you ask me to do. You tell me to do something, I'll go do it. What do you want? He's like, no, it, it, it ain't that, man. You, I, I got to see you getting you get in there with your hands, man, and get in there. And, and I was like, hey, chief, I'm not just going to go around putting my hands on things. I don't want to break anything here. You know, if I got to replace it, I'm 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 an E4. You know, I make like nickels. I can't be replacing no satellite radio if I if I screw it up. And he's like, don't don't worry about that, man. Don't worry about breaking things. It's it's, it's taxpayers, man. The taxpayers will pay for it. Just don't do nothing stupid. I'm like, oh, well. All right. And so from there, that's where it kind of spawns that that team guy thing. If you're familiar with team guys, the way that we are about like, hey, let me put my hands on that. Let me see what I can do with that. So you see team guys are always tinkering and adjusting and and sometimes doing things that lead to some really solid innovations. And that's that gives us an operational edge. But it also makes people look at us like we're the halfwit brother who shows up at the door with a mountain lion locked in his trunk. Like, hey, I need your help, man. You got like a shovel or something? Uh, no time to explain. Come on out here. In fact, there was a, I remember a joke that I had heard about that. So these scientists want to examine the, the intellect of the special operator. So they take a Marine recon guy, they take a, a Green Beret special forces guy, and they take a team guy, a SEAL team guy. And they put each of them, lock each of them in a room for a weekend with, with the provisions. And then they hand each of them two big steel balls just to see what they're going to come up with. So they lock them in there for the weekend. Say goodbye on Friday night. They come back on uh, on Monday morning. They open the door at the recon guy's room, and they say, hey, what what'd you do with those steel balls? And he goes, oh, hey, check this out. And this guy has come up with a way to ex- exercise every body part using just these two steel balls. 
He's like, look, I can build endurance. I can build strength. Look at what I got worked out. And they're like, wow, that's pretty impressive. That's great. Hey, let's see what the Green Beret guy has. So they open the door to the Green Beret guy's room and they say, hey, what would you, uh, you do with those steel balls? He goes, oh, check this out. And he's got a way to, to find true north and magnetic north and determine the time of day just by holding these things up and looking at the sun and the horizon and so on. You go, wow, that's really innovative. That's incredible. Man, we need to make notes here. Let's see what the team guy came up with. They go over here to the SEAL team guy's door, uh, and he's just standing there in the middle of the room. And they're like, what's, what's going on? And they want to ask him about these steel balls, but he didn't come up with anything because he broke one and lost the other. So that's really, you know, kind of the way that it is. But I digress. Let's get back to this topic here. So going the extra mile. So for me, that concept of going the extra mile always made me feel like uh, Jennifer Aniston in that Office Space movie. It's probably the only time you'll ever hear me say that I felt like Jennifer Aniston. Hey, do you feel like pizza? No, I feel like Jennifer Aniston. Anyway, so it made me feel like her in that Office Space movie where she's working at that crummy restaurant. And the manager comes over and is on her about, hey, I want to talk to you about your flair. And she's like, what? I got eight pieces of flair. Yeah, but look at Brian over there. He's got 20 pieces of flair. And she goes, yeah, but I thought eight was the minimum. He's like, yeah, but you want to you want to just do the minimum all your life? And she's like, if you want 20 to be the minimum, then make 20 the minimum. I'll wear 20. Well, that's that's not what I'm saying. You know, and I could I, I totally understand that position. You know, at the time I was like, I, I see the hang up here. But what I could never understand was why people still run with it. You'd see people in organizations and they say, let's give this guy a hand. He really goes above and beyond. I'm like, dude, I'd go above and beyond. Just tell me what you want. So for me, it really wasn't until I got to Iraq the second time. So I'd been the first time on, on the initial invasion in 03. And that was that was a hoot. That was pretty casual. But um, I went back another time in 06, 07. And at this point, it was, you know, we're like neck deep in this thing. And now we're, you know, even more neck deep, you know, by today. But this was the second time I was there. And a lot of the conventional approaches that that we had been using, even in the special operations community, you know, we're kind of missing the boat. We're going out here trying to find Carlos the Jackal and we show up at where he should be. And instead of Carlos, there's his 10 cousins and 20 kids and his three wives and nobody's seen him. Nobody knows nothing. So... We're having to come up with, you know, new and innovative ways to figure out who's who in the zoo and what's going on. So this was the time that I got into into running informants and doing interrogations. And and let me, you know, reemphasize here when I say interrogations, this is not smashing anybody's fingers with a hammer because that doesn't work, right? But I tell you what I have done, though. You've seen The Matrix where the guy's got the, the giant folder, the agent's got the giant folder, and we know everything about you. Right. I've done that. It's pretty cool. It's a good time. If somebody hasn't seen the movie, it kind of blows them away. And fortunately, not many people in Iraq have seen The Matrix. But um, so we start going down this road and we're making some good gains. And I'm thinking, wow, here's something I can actually do a little bit better than other guys, you know, because it's not everybody that's willing to sit there and, you know, listen to this informant run on and on. And sometimes it's just some farmer that just wants somebody to talk to you. Actually, it's somebody that actually saw something and wants to come tell you about it. But sit there through the cigarettes and the and the tea and the coffee that tastes like diesel exhaust, you know, and all this. And then glean that little piece of information and like, ah, here, here's something I can act on. Not everybody was really interested in doing that. But, you know, I'll do it because I want to go on target, right? But up till then, you know, I'm I'm still a team guy. I'm still going to go hard. But it had never really occurred to me until then what was meant by exceeding the bare minimum. 
And here's really the bottom line on this idea of going above and beyond, exceeding the bare minimum. The bare minimum isn't there. It's not established as a finish line, as in this is all you got to do. It's there as a starting line. So as to say, you got to do at least this. But because everybody's different, you can. everybody needs to branch out and do something more for this organization. But this is the bare minimum I need from you. And where the rubber kind of hits the road on some of this, I think, is that people want to push this idea that everybody everywhere has the exact same abilities and that people are basically interchangeable cogs. Yeah, like one is exactly like another, one's exactly as good as another. Just switch them out and they'll be fine. You know, like you, you take this guy, just send him to the same college you went to and everybody will be exactly the same. He can do your job, it, you know, and it doesn't work like that because everybody is not all the same. All right. People have different backgrounds, different perspectives. They bring different abilities to the table and people want to pitch this. You know, they come with this diverse. Oh, we want diversity. I love diversity. Well, what's diversity? The idea is that people are different. That's what that means. That, like diversify your bonds, right? Get different bonds. Like, well, no, I bought all the same bond. Why? Because they're all the same, right? No, it doesn't work that way. So, I mean, if people were all the same, then manning that NFL team would be easy, right? Like you just get 20 guys who can run fast, 30 guys who can lift big, and then find a former soccer player with a long last name and you're in business. But that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. So each member of that team, each member of your team, you, you have something you can offer to your team, to your family, to the world around you. And none of us is just an interchangeable cog. And I'm not saying that like you're a special little snowflake with your special little purpose, just waiting for a ray of sunshine so you can blossom. What I'm saying is that you've got the minerals to do something, to be something that not many other people can pull off. But here's the tricky bit to it, though, is sometimes to figure out what that is, you got to fail your ass off. you got to get out there and try stuff and suck at it. And then step back and go, okay, well, that didn't work out. I got to try something else. All while still meeting that bare minimum. So you got to put your back into things and then not only find out what you suck at and do it again and again and again, but eventually you're going to land on something that you kind of, in a lot of cases, assume that, well, anybody can do this. I'm just doing this to keep myself busy. And then you find out that lo and behold, you're sailing right along in something that a lot of people would have floundered and drowned in. I mean, for us as team guys, I think one of the things that people ask us as much as anything else is how do you deal with all the traveling and always doing something different and nobody knows exactly what you're going to be doing the next day. I mean, there was times I walked into work and it was like, hey, you're going to go learn how to use uh, lasers today. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, you're going to go learn how to start an IV uh, in a moving helicopter today. Uh, okay. And people would ask, like, how do you deal with that, with that kind of change? But for us, we ask the same thing of people who can go to the same office, go to the same job every day. So where some people see, I like this reliability. I like this stability. I like my day being predictable and knowing exactly what I'm going to do and see my friends at the coffee shop every day, you know, living that consistent life, that kind of thing. I mean, for me, for sure. And a lot of guys that I knew, I, it makes me nuts. I couldn't possibly do it. And, you know, so people would ask us that, how do you do this where you don't know what you're doing day to day? And we would come right back and ask them, how do you get through life knowing exactly what you're going to do and exactly where you're going to be? That would kill me. So in that sense, we're all wired a little bit different. We have different things that we're good at and good for. 
but it's a never-ending process because what you have to offer evolves over time. And what other people around you could really use from you evolves over time, right? Nothing is the same. Nothing is static. Things, things progress. Things evolve. So just like that time you got turned down for prom, sometimes half the battle is knowing what doesn't work. Eh? So that's really about all we have time for today. If you'd like to see what we're up to at APG, you can check out our website at apg.team. And if you've got questions, thoughts, comments, or concerns, or if you've got an idea or something you'd like to hear me rant about, you can send us a quick email at info at apg.team. And if you like what we're putting out, then uh, feel free to share these ideas with your friends because, as we always say, the world needs hitters. So, as the sun sets slowly in the east, we'll leave you with a reminder from Hunter S. Thompson, never turn your back on fear. It should be kept in front of you like a thing that might have to be killed. that you are not.